Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle. I'm Travis Apple, and I'll be your host of this podcast. After spending my entire career in the sports sales industry, I wanted the opportunity to give back, to give back to those individuals that want to get in this business, or for those individuals that are in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. This podcast is presented by General Sports Worldwide and the Clubhouse. GSW is certainly picking up steam in search, recruiting, training, and consulting. The Clubhouse is a career development platform consisting of monthly webinars, in-depth training vault, job board, mentorship platform, blogs, and a focus on mental health. Be sure to sign up for a free membership at theclubhousecareers.com. In addition, thanks for everyone that has supported the book, Hustle Your Way to Success in Sports Sales. For season three, I'm going to have the privilege of sitting down with industry experts to discuss their career path, three key topics that are current in the industry, three hustle hot seat questions, Three pieces of advice, all under 24 minutes. Now on to our guests this week. It's not often you get to be a part of several fun projects in the NBA, NFL, and NHL, but our next guest did just that. I'm excited to have Matt Bowman, Executive Vice President and Chief Revenue Officer with the Dallas Stars. Matt, welcome to the show. Travis, thanks for having me, man. Matt, always excited to chat with you, and let's kick it off where we started. You've been a part of the Dallas Cowboys new stadium sales initiative, building the sales culture for the Oklahoma City Thunder shortly after they came into existence, and now have helped build a great organization with the Dallas Stars. As you think about all those experiences, Matt, what's the one key component that stands out with all of those stops? Every one of those stops, and I've been incredibly fortunate in my career. Um, I've been able to work for incredible bosses. Um, there's a guy who works for SeatGeek named Jeff Ionello, who I know, you know, yep. uh, who, who says something, he says, hire good managers. And I feel like that's something Travis, I've been able to do my whole career. Thankfully, uh, work for some of the best guys like Chad Estes and Doug Dawson in Dallas, um, Brian Burns and Scott Loft and, in OKC and, and now Jim Lights and Brad Alberts and at the Dallas Stars and um, many, many more that I'm not mentioning, but just have had incredible mentors. And uh, that's been the key for me is learning from the best, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. And several of those guests have been a previous guest on 52 Weeks Hustle. And I think that's the a lot of these episodes, we talk about the value of people and you hit the nail on the head. And so Diving into your career, you start out with the Indiana Pacers as a sales consultant and thinking back to that time, you know, early on in this business, what is one thing you know now that you wish you would have known or or done back then? I was, uh, I struggled early in my sales career. Um, And I think the reason why was because I was so focused on the technique. You know, I was an athlete uh, when I was a kid and, uh, always very coachable and we we started off and Ben Milsom who's now the chief ticketing officer for the Tampa Bay Bucks uh, was our inside sales manager in Indiana and he gave us a a really good two-week kind of training course and this is how you sell Um, and I think the thing that I got caught up in too much was the words that you use and this is what you say and when you say it and I completely lost the human element of it and what I came to learn was selling is as much about getting that other person on the other side of the table to, to like and respect you and know that you're being honest and, and being uh, trying to find a solution for them uh, as much as it is saying the right thing at the right time. And okay, here's my agenda statement. And now I'm going to give you a a list of open-ended questions. You know, 
it's not about that. It's about um, being a human being and and engaging and 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 developing a rapport with somebody. And um, once I figured that out, then it became a lot easier for me. Um, but that would be the thing. I would just be like, forget about all the technique. Be a human being. Use your personality. That's what's going to get you the most success. Yeah, and I feel like we've heard and have, have spoken ad nauseum about right. People will buy because they like, trust, and respect you. And and how do yes. you build that rapport and differentiate yourself? And you 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 obviously have done it did a tremendous job. You had a very successful stop in Indianapolis. Then you joined the new Dallas Cowboys new stadium sales initiative and, and crushed it there. Before then, getting into leadership, why was leadership the right fit for you? Well. I was always an above average salesperson. Um, I was not always, I wasn't, I wasn't you. I mean, I know that your career, you were, you were just, it really came easy for you. Um, it, selling didn't always come as easy for me. I, I really had to focus on, you know, the technique and I had to, you know, I had to focus on being a human being like we just talked about. Um, but I was always, I've always loved leadership. I've always loved the challenge of leadership and the challenge of getting some, a group of people to follow a vision. Um, those were the people I always respected. Uh, even growing up, I really always admired head coaches and presidents and civic leaders. And, you know, I think about like Martin Luther King Jr. Like just people like that, that could provide a a vision and get people to follow. And um, so I always felt like more than sales, leadership was really going to be where my skill set was. Um, and I learned enough and I spent enough time selling to understand what that was and the technique and, and, and uh, how that all works. And kind of like a coach who wasn't always a great player. Uh, I was able to coach it uh, a lot better than maybe I was even in practice. Uh, you know, I wasn't Michael Jordan. I was, um, you, you know, I was a, I was the second string point guard that, that just had to work really hard. And, yep. and that experience allowed me to coach and, and develop people, I think in a different way. And it came, came back to people, right. Coaching and developing and your first leadership role is the OKC Thunder and, and Matt joining them immediately after their first season. And you and the team helped increase the season ticket base to capacity over the next season, helping to have a season ticket wait list, 50 plus consecutive sellouts. And, and that is all, just after a 23 win season on the court, right? And so it's, it's you're running parallel paths. What do you feel like you and your team did to have so much success, kind of despite what was going on on the court? Well, I can't I can't say despite because I I got there the second year of the Thunder's existence. The year the year before I came, they won 23 games. It was a really young team. The year my I was there for three seasons, and my first season, uh, we took a big step forward. You know, you'll you'll remember we had Durant. Harden, the whole crew, um, Westbrook. Westbrook. Uh, so I can, I wish I could say that I'm just brilliant and we figured it out, <laughs> but it, it really had a lot more to do with uh, how that organization implanted itself in the city that had only been known for a horrible crisis and the bombing back in the nineties. Yeah. Um, that, that city was hungry to be recognized for something else. And um, so I, as much as I would like to take credit, I think what we did was build in the structure and build in the, the processes for a fundamentally sound ticket sales group. And then we rode the wave because the guys, we played uh, uh, the LA Lakers in the first round of the NBA playoffs that year. We took them to six games. This is the Kobe Bryant, Pau Gasol uh, Lakers that ended up, I think, winning the title that year. Um 
But uh, we, what I'm very proud of is, is that we were given an opportunity and uh, the group that we had was hungry to prove ourselves. We were like, look, the NBA is going to work in Oklahoma City. We're going to make it work. And we, along with everybody else in that organization, um, I think capitalized on it. So that's the best thing I could say is, it, you know, when, when your team have a plan, business, have a plan. That's exactly yeah. right. No, that's awesome. Well, back in 2012, you take the opportunity to join the Dallas Stars and, and you really run with it. And over the last 10 and a half years, you've held four different roles. So what do you feel like you've done on such a consistent basis to continue to get promoted and elevated there internally? Well, I think uh, I, I give all the credit to my promotions, to my boss, Brad, who um, has just been the guy who allowed me to hitch my wagon to him. Um, I think he saw something in me and, and uh, you know, he and I got together. The organization had been coming out of bankruptcy. Uh, so in 2008 through 2011, um, the prior owner had uh, been hit hard by the financial crisis and uh, the team had been run by the league and people were wondering if hockey was just not going to work in Dallas, Texas. Um, and so by the time Brad got here and brought me in soon after, uh, we had a lot of work to do, but he believed in me. And again, it was just building a fundamentally sound uh, organization from a ticket sales perspective. That's where it started. Eventually, uh, our marketing VP uh, ended up wanting to leave and go have have babies. And uh, mm -hmm. that position opened up. And because I had worked so closely with marketing, um, Brad's like, you know what, rather than going and hiring another VP, why don't you just absorb that? Um, and so I think it was roughly 2015, I absorbed the marketing department uh, and was basically the head of sales and marketing for five or six years until our uh, old vice president of sponsorship, Grady Raskin, left. And Brad said, hey, here's another opportunity. What do you think? I said, let's do it. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of where we're at today is now those three verticals all reporting up to me. Well, and along, along those lines, a lot of it is just if you can dominate your day and dominate your, your job at hand, that's how you're earned and gain more and more responsibility, right? It's not like you've had to ask. It's come to you and say, hey, you've done a tremendous job. So to take on this and you, know, Matt, now that you oversee the, that multiple areas of the business, what do you feel like you've done from a leadership end to manage both of those departments and, and not only just the people, but also the process from a 30,000 feet view, but also a very granular view as well? Well, I'm of the Jim Light School of Management, which is don't have too many direct reports. You got to hire great people underneath and they have to, you got to trust them to do their job. So, um, you know, corporate partnerships, sponsorships, that's the most foreign department for me at this point. You know, I, I know enough about marketing to be dangerous and enough about ticket sales. Um, but over the last three years with our sponsorship group, that was an area that I didn't, a world I didn't grow up in. Yep. Still sales. Um, but it's a, it's a much different kind of a product. And um, what I really had to lean on uh, was an incredible vice president who's named his guy, Tom check, who we got from the Texas Rangers, formerly Anaheim ducks. He's been our, my partner in the, uh, in the sponsorship world now for three years or four years now. And um, you know, it's a guy that really knows his business. He knows the X and O's. He knows the fundamentals of sponsorship Oftentimes our conversations are me learning from him as much as me telling him what to do. Yep. In fact, more often than not. Um, but I think where I can help is I can help him with 
I'm, I'm dealing with a tough uh, staff issue or I, I need to motivate this person or this person is, um, you know, could, could do more. And I'm trying to get more out of, of her. Um, those kinds of things I can, I can help on the coaching side. And so that's where we found our, uh, our, our working, you know, our working medium. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Matt Bowman, Executive Vice President, Chief Revenue Officer for the Dallas Stars. And so, Matt, let's get into three hot topics. And question one, hockey in the South. You know, I started years ago with the Atlanta Thrashers, certainly a tough sell. You're in Dallas in the South. You know, as, as you think about, which is a tough sell regardless. Now, all teams are typically tough to sell in some sort of capacity. But what is your advice to listeners on being successful no matter what, no matter the market, no matter the team and any other you know kind of objection or excuse that may come up? Yeah, I think um, being able to understand the market you're in and then tailor the marketing and the message about uh, your sport to that market, that in winning. Um, first thing is hopefully you can win some games and that's going to be the best marketing you can do. But our, mm-hmm. our brand statement, you know, over the last couple of years in Dallas has been Texas hockey. And what that represents is, you know, we know people in, in Texas and in Dallas are very, very proud of Texas. Um, and Dallas is a great sports town, um, but we've got a lot of choices and you got every professional sports league there is in this city. And so sometimes it's viewed as a non-traditional market, but I'm happy to say that we've got, you know, more, premium inventory sold than almost, uh, you know, any NHL franchise. We've got 90 full lease suites sold. I remember in OKC, we only had 32 in the whole building. Um, So our our corporate market, if you show success and you show that you know what you're doing, the corporate market here in Dallas uh, will come out and represent you. Our partnership with the Mavericks at the American Airlines Center in Dallas um, has been a huge help, obviously. I mean, being able to say, you know, if you want a suite or you want an advertising deal at the at the arena, you're going to get both the stars and the Mavs. Um, that partnership has been certainly beneficial for us. Um, so I think leaning into those advantages, I think in every in every city, Atlanta is another one where I thought, you know, we had a great opportunity there to have an NHL franchise. And for whatever reason, you know, it didn't work. I wasn't you know, I don't know enough right. about Atlanta to know why or why or why not. Um, but certainly here in Dallas, um, when we lean into this is your team, Texas. Um, people have seemed to be responding to that. Yep. 
No, absolutely. And a lot of it's just rolling up your sleeves and being willing to, to get out and immerse yourself in the community and the marketplace. And question two, much of your role now is be involved with the, the club's kind of chief endeavors, focusing primarily on growing the business through innovative partnerships, strategic fan development, providing the city with that unparalleled kind of entertainment destination and experience. So big opportunity to, to make it an overall destination, not just a game. What all goes into that? Well, for one, we've got a we've been blessed with an incredible building that's now 20 years old and probably, you know, we're already talking about how do we extend the life, but it's a really good arena. Um, the other advantage that we've always had with the stars is a really strong graphics production game presentation group, um, even in the coming out of the throes of bankruptcy. Our, our production group and our video people have always been incredible. Um, and so I feel like our game presentation is unique to Dallas. It's unique to us. Um, people from Canada, people from the Northeast, they come to our games and it feels different. Um, we haven't gone all the way to like the Vegas level where, you know, and I give them a lot of credit there. It's a very Vegas type show. Yep. Our show, we think, is a very Dallas type show. And I think it, I'd put ours up against anyone's. And so that's one. Um, number two is Dallas is a big event town. And so uh, making our, each one of our games feel like a big event and the opportunity to see something that could be talked about in the office the next day. I think we've leaned into that. We've got a generational scorer right now and a kid named Jason Robertson, um, who is a, an American of Filipino descent. Again, unique. He's he's a he's a just a really good personality, a really good person. And we're saying, how do we get uh, more people to be paying attention to him? And he led the league in goals and points uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Um, so finding your advantages, uh, taking advantage of them. I think that's, that's the key. Yeah, absolutely. And finally, Matt, question three, you know, more on your, your personal and your growth over the, over the years, you've had quite a few opportunities to take on new roles and, and even relocate you and your family. However, you've stayed with the same organization for over a decade now. What are some key organization initiatives that you feel like help retain top employees like yourself? Well, I think um, I would encourage everybody first uh, that may be listening to this, that maybe earlier in your career, you know, there's been a lot of, I don't think moving around to move is worth it. Um, if you get a good opportunity in this business, stay there. And it doesn't, you know, I wouldn't worry too much about your market. I wouldn't worry too much. If you have a job that you're being challenged every day, um, there's growth opportunity in front of you. You got to just be satisfied with it. And that's thankfully what I've had here in Dallas. This whole time I've had the opportunity to say, okay, here's a challenge. Let me tackle it. Yep. And if I tackle this, there's going to be more growth down the road. And I think, again, my boss, Brad, has done a great job of kind of showing me that path without putting me in positions too quickly that I'm not ready for. That you're not. Yep. Um, and I think that's kind of the thing that I would, uh, if you're if you're dealing with somebody who you feel like is kind of bumping up against that ceiling, how do you give them kind of a roadmap to to further growth? Because some people are just happy in their jobs. Right. Some people like you, Travis, want to always keep growing, want to keep developing and, and tackle that next mountain. And I think identifying what kind of person it is you're dealing with. If you want a, a mountain climber, then you want to find somebody, you want to give them a path to here's how you're going to grow. But ultimately, every time I've moved, which is now four different teams, um, it's been because I've kind of hit a ceiling at the past job where I'm like, there's there's nowhere else for me to go. I've tackled this challenge. And um, 
you know, thankfully my bosses in those places have said, yeah, there's nothing else for you here. Yep. Let me help you find the next thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what a great career, ton of great advice. As you think back to your career, what's been your best memory? The probably uh, putting 85,000 hockey fans at the Cotton Bowl uh, for the Winter Classic in January of 2020. Uh, that was a major accomplishment. Again, coming out of bankruptcy, coming out of a place where people didn't know if the Dallas Stars were even going to exist to filling up a whole stadium and having the second largest uh, hockey game ever attended in the world uh, was a big, a big win. But there's been a ton. I mean, there's yep. I, I love this business, man. It's so fun. And uh, we're so lucky to get to work here and get to do what we do. Yeah, I know you're certainly passionate about the business and the people. And Matt, ton of great advice. Certainly fun to hear about your journey. To close it out, I like to put our guests on the hustle hot seats. You ready for this? Ready. All right. If you could have any actor play you in a movie, who would it be? Thought about this one. I'm going to go with Rooster from Top Gun, Miles Teller. What's the last thing you completed on your bucket list? Having kids. Four of them, right? Four. That's right. I got four kids. Long story. If you hosted a talk show, who would be your first guest? You know, I think from an entertainment standpoint, I got to say Will Ferrell. He's my favorite. And to close it out, what are three key takeaways you'd give every listener to be in your shoes one day? You got to have passion for what you do, number one. Uh, Number two, you got to have a relentless work ethic. And number three, you're going to have to sacrifice other things. Um, all those things, you, you, you get, you got to be passionate, you got to work hard, and there's going to be things that you're going to not be able to do if you really want to dedicate yourself to, to any career, I would say, that you want to be in. And I love it. And that's what our business is. It's all about the controllables. And those are the three things that you can control each and every day. Nobody else has to get in the way of it. So, Matt, thank you so much. You've had a great career. Always a pleasure talking to you. And I certainly appreciate your time and expertise. Travis, man, thanks for having me. I'm honored to be here and I appreciate it. Thank you. This is Travis Apple. Thanks for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle. Please be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.